Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. We're going to jump right in. If you got your Bibles, we'll end up in Psalm 68 and Hebrews 10 uh, eventually. How many of you guys actually brought a real Bible? Anybody? How many, how many, how many, anybody under 25 bring a real Bible? Two. It was like two. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. I'll just be really honest with you, though. I'm, I'm kind of one of those, one of those people. Uh, I'm not really preaching, and these are kind of lofty standards as I'm thinking about what I'm about to say. I'm like, wow, it's lofty standards. I'm not really going to preach today to change your week. I really want to preach today to change your life. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that, uh, foundational things, that when you get the core right, uh, it changes everything. And even prophetically, I just, as I was, you know, walking through the service during worship, worship was just so incredible. I'm so honored to have amazing, anointed worship leaders and, and musicians and sound guys and all the, thing, all the production things that go into place that uh, we tell our team that you're, you're here to usher in the atmosphere of heaven so that before I ever say a word, people know God's here. And that really is our goal. And, but I, I, I'm, I was walking through just watching, and the Lord just reminded me, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not building, I'm not trying to build a great church today. I'm trying to build great people today. And there are sons and daughters. There's moms and dads in here who have a responsibility to father and mother, sons and daughters. There's young people in here. that some of the things I think you'll hear today, uh, it may take you years to understand. It did me when I first heard things like I'm going to preach today. It may take you years to understand the significance of some of these things. But when the goal is not to put butts and seats in a church and the goal is to actually pour into people and empower people to change the world, sometimes you have to go at it a little bit different in a different way. Uh, one of my close friends, Banning Leapshire, he, one of the things he said, uh, he tells this story about when he used to do these conferences and fill stadiums and people would come up to him and say, hey, how did the, how did the conference go? How did the concert go? And, and he would respond, he'd said, I don't, he, well, he knew what they were asking. They were asking how many people showed up. And he said, he would respond to them, I don't know, I'll tell you in 20 years. I'll tell you how the conference went in 20 years, because if 20 years from now there's still a stadium full of people burning for Jesus, then it was good. If not, we missed the mark. And so again, I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm not just preaching today and giving information, so to speak, so that you'll have a good week. I genuinely have uh, a desire to impart things, the Word of God, in such a way that it could change the course of your life forever. You, go, you guys okay with that? Uh, have you guys ever built a new house? You ever built a new house? A few of us in here have had a chance to build a new house. Building a new house can be incredible. Uh, it can be uh, a pain in the butt, uh, but it can be incredible. And I remember one of the first times we built, uh, got to actually build a house, and it was kind of a half custom half spec home so we didn't get to pick everything but we got to pick some things and I remember as they were starting to bring in the appliances that's not really one of the things that we went over what appliances were actually going to go in there they were kind of picked before us but I remember when we walked in and saw the refrigerator it had an ice maker on the outside you've made it when you got an ice maker on the outside of your refrigerator I remember just being so happy we grew up not having one of those and it's just like wow uh, it's, it's the small things sometimes it's interesting when we're going, when we're building a house or we're shopping for a house or whatever, it's interesting the things that we look at. It's like no one wants to get there when it's just the studs. I mean, of course, you might go and see the progress of the house, but it's like when you go and it's just the studs or the plumbing is in, you, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, well, they're, they're, it's just, that we'll get to the, the fun stuff eventually. You can't wait for the cabinets to start going in and the brick and the, and the stucco and all the different things to go in because nobody really cares about what the foundation looks like. No one's ever driven by a house that just was just the frames, just the slab, just framed up and goes, oh my gosh, that is the most beautiful house I think I've ever seen in my life. 
It's like you don't really think about it until it messes up, and then you're like, I should have paid more attention to that, you know? And, and I think in some ways that's a little bit how this message is, is, is going to go. It's a very foundational thing, but I genuinely I have a heart to, today to help connect your faith to why you're here today. Like, why do we go to church? What is the local church? What is important about the local church? It's a, it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a passion of mine. Spiritual family and local church is a passion of mine. I don't just want you to experience revival. I want you to experience revival unto family. That's what, that's what we're going for. I eventually want to see you revived in such a way that you plug into family and you are sustained through a lifetime, not, not just encountered in a moment. And so uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a foundational thing. What I believe could be a very, uh, it's almost like that, I don't want to say boring, but it's just like, it, it's a message that just somebody needs to tell you. Have you ever walk, seen, been sitting in a room and someone walked in and, and their fly was unzipped? You have. If, you are, if, you're not, if you're uncomfortable right now, you, you have. You've either been the person you walked in and you like, and then somebody has to step up and be like, hey, like, your fly's unzipped. And it's, un, it's uncomfortable for everyone, right? Like, no one wants to be the one to say it because you're like, if I say it, are they going to think I was looking? And like, what is that going to say about me? Like, no one really knows how to handle the situation. But then, and then, and then when you're, you know, a leader stands up and says, hey, you know, I, I need to tell you something. Your, your cows are getting out. Anybody know about the cows getting out? That's what my granddad used to say, cows are getting out. So somebody has to step up. And you don't like, if you're the person that you, you had your flying zip, you don't like that person anymore. But when you leave there, you go, I appreciate that person. I appreciate them. I don't like them, but I appreciate them. That's probably how you're going to feel when you leave church today. You're like, I don't know if I like that guy, but I appreciate that. I, I appreciate him saying some of those, some of those things, but... Anyway, let's read a couple of scriptures so I don't say anything else inappropriate. Um, Psalms chapter 68. Let's read here. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, Psalm 68, starting in verse 4. It says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Lord, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. I want us to pay close attention to this next line. God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary, and families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now let's read Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, starting in verse 19. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed pure, washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us, not, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and do good works. Verse 25, another point I want us to pay attention to today. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Uh, you, could, you could summarize those two scriptures into one phrase, uh, at least the parts that I'd like to highlight today, and say, God places each of us into a spiritual family, and then he commands us not to neglect it. He sets each of us into a spiritual family, and then he commands us not to neglect it. 
I just want to talk about three points today as it pertains to the local church, uh, and, and I think that they'll help. Number one, every single person belongs in a church. Every single person belongs in a church. Just like we just read in 68.6, Psalm 68.6, God sets the solitary or the singular into family or plural. Every single person deserve, belongs in a plural family. Another scripture that goes along with that, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Individually. Yes, you are an individual, but you belong to a family, a body, or a church. It's interesting that he started this passage of Scripture off warning against pride. Warning against pride. He says, don't, I, I, I'm telling everybody here, please don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. And he goes from that and talks about setting single people into family and single members into the body of Christ. I just propose that probably one of the most arrogant things that you can think or arrogant ways you can behave is to act, think, or behave like you don't need anybody else. You need people. You need other people. You need other imperfect people in your life. Every person in this room is imperfect, and yet you need every person in this room. Do they have flaws? Yes. Do they, think everything, do they think the right way about everything? No, absolutely they don't. But there is something inside every single person that is uniquely them but perfectly God. Every single one of us in this room were created in the likeness and image of our Father. We have Father DNA built into every single one of us. And when I say I accept you, what I'm saying is I accept the parts of God that he didn't give me. I'm accepting God when I'm accepting you. I'm believing in God when I'm believing in you. God has not made a special arrangement with any person on this planet where they don't need the local church. There is no such thing as someone that the Lord said, you know, the, the poor town that I put you in, the city that I put you in, there's just not one good church. You know what? Let's just me and you stick together. We'll figure this out alone. That has never happened in the history of mankind. There are, no, there are no special arrangements for anyone. I've heard people say, like, well, I've kind of got to, you just got to know, the, the, you know, here's what I believe, and there's not a church in our city that believes what I believe. Since when has honoring the scripture and obeying the scripture ha, have to line up with you finding a church that believes exactly like you believe? There are no special arrangements. I remember several years ago during Easter, uh, after the Easter service, one of the, the, the teachers came up to me, the, school, the Sunday school teachers came up to me and said, hey, I, I have got to tell you what your middle daughter said. And she, I don't know, she was probably five, six, seven, somewhere at that age, and she's squirming. She's on the front row in a black hat and a white sweatshirt, so in case you're <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, the, the teacher comes up to me and says, hey, I, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something that your daughter said, which is how every parent wants a teacher to come up to them, you know, right? I got to tell you something your kid said. And she said, we were passing out the goodie bags at the end of service. And she said, uh, can I get two of those, please? And she says, no, they're, they're, it's, it's one for every person. Everybody only gets one. And she said that Riley just looked back at her and said, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> and they were like, 
yes, we know who your dad is. Did you know he's the pastor of this church? Yes, yes, we knew. It's like all of a sudden because she's the pastor's daughter, there was some special arrangement, you know, where she's going get, to get two goodie bags. There, there's, as it pertains to the local church and being a part of a fit, spiritual family, there are no special arrangements. He designed every single one of us to fit into family, to be a part of family, to be involved in the local church. Let me remind you of the Great Commission. It says, go therefore, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples. He says, make disciples, not make Christians. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, so he's fixing to define what will make a disciple, teaching them to observe all or obey or do all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He defines discipleship and creating disciples as teaching people to not just know the word, but to do the word. Not to just believe in the word, but actually do everything that you're commanded to do. So here's what that tells me. You can go to heaven and not go to church. You just can't not go to church and be a disciple. You can go to church. That's one of the it's like an excuse people give sometimes. Like, hey, I, hey, I don't, I, I don't have to go to church. I, I'm going to heaven, or I don't think you have to go to church to, be, to go to heaven. So, the question is, is since when did getting to heaven become the mandate for disciples or for following Jesus? Or let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Since when was just getting to heaven the goal? If you've been around here very long, you're, you're going to hear that. You, you've already heard this phrase. If you stay much longer, you're going to hear it again. But our assignment on this earth is not to try to live in such a way that we get to heaven, but it's to live in such a way where we get heaven to earth. So as a Christian, I'm going to heaven. As a disciple, I bring heaven to earth. There's nothing more evangelistic that you can do on this planet than, other than manifesting heaven in such a way where people can taste and see that the Lord is good. When you manifest heaven, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. When you become skilled at manifesting heaven, right, manifesting righteousness, manifesting peace, manifesting joy in your environment, people go, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I may have been taught different. I may have believed different five seconds ago, but something in me has changed because not just because I've learned something, because I've experienced something. The assignment of the believer is not to become a Christian and go to heaven. It's to be a disciple and bring heaven to earth. Not all Christians go to church, but all disciples do. There are Christians all over the planet that do not go to church, but there is no such thing as a disciple who does not go to church. Why? Disciples obey, they observe and do, they obey and do everything that the Scripture commands. Isn't this fun? It's only going to get more fun. Number two, you'll love this one. Where we go to church is his choice, not yours. Where you, go to where you go to church is his choice, not yours. Notice what it said in Psalm 68, 6. God sets the solitary in family. God sets. God chooses. It's kind of like your natural family. Has it ever dawned on you that the Lord actually chose for you to be in that natural family? 
And now just start thinking about some of your family members, and you're like, really, Lord? This is, this is where you think I belong? This is the, these are my people now? I remember when I was in college, I have a, I have a middle brother who, if you know him, uh, he is an absolute blast to be around, mainly because you literally know, you never know what he's going to do. And I remember when I was in college one time, I, um, I, I was playing college baseball, and some of my teammates were on the edge of the, of the dugout that was coming out of the dugout on the field, and I noticed that they were pointing up into the stands and, uh, and, and talking about something. So I, I walk over there, and they're like, I'm like, what are you guys looking at? And they're like, bro, you got to see what this joker right here is wearing. And I, I'm like looking around for who it is, and I look, it's my brother. And my brother had, uh, he had white uh, high socks up to the knees with the stripes on them with cowboy boots. And then he had gym shorts on that, I don't know, somewhere right about in here. Then he had a cut-off T-shirt on that didn't match the shorts or the stripes on the socks and a cowboy hat about, you know, that big. And they were like, can you believe what that guy's wearing? I was like, no, that joker's crazy, man. He's an idiot. You know? I lo- but it's like, you know, you, you sometimes look at the family that you were, bo- that you were born into, and you're like, wow, the, the, Lord, the Lord picked this. It's interesting. Even my middle brother, if there's one thing he's done, even for me personally, he's like, he's made me care a lot less about what other people think about me. <laughs> Anybody else got a family member like that? You're like, just the fact that they exist, like you have to wrestle through some of your own stuff. It's the same way in spiritual family. The Lord didn't set you in a family that would be perfect. He set you in a people group that would help perfect you. Every person he's placed you with, there's an assignment on their life, even in their imperfections. He he placed you there on, on purpose. Where you go to church has nothing to do with convenience, has nothing to do with preference, and everything to do with your development. The American way is we get to choose. It's the American way. And I, don't get me wrong, I love being in America. I love that I can choose what coffee I go get. I love that I can choose what restaurants I go to. I love that I have so many options as it pertains to my natural life. The problem with that is when I get so American that I forget to be kingdom. As Americans, we can choose anything we want. As kingdom disciples, we choose, hopefully choose, to submit our lives to what the Scripture says. And we lay our choices down for his choice. What does that sound like? Jesus. Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my choice, your choice be done. Not my will, your will be done. Part of the... The, the lifestyle of a disciple, of a Jesus follower, is learning to submit, submit our desires, submit everything about our life and say, hey, I, I have an opinion, I have a feeling, I have emotions, I have thoughts about this, but Lord, I'm submitting that to you. One of the most beautiful things that, that happens in the life of a believer is when we, get, we are so submitted to him that as, the, as the, our Heavenly Father switches it on us and says, hey, thank you for submitting to me. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, what do you want to do? He'll give you the desires of your heart. There's a life to look forward to called living from the desires of your heart. But it does not come before the life of, Lord, I submit to you in every single thing in my life. 
There will come a time in your life, if you will submit yourself enough, where you'll go, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Lord, what do you want me to do here? And he'll go silent. You know why? It's not because he doesn't have a plan. He's just really excited to see what you're going to choose. He has angels. He had angels that he could command at all times. He had that. But what he didn't have is sons and daughters that he could raise early and then release into the world to see what they might become. We were not created as angels. There's a, a, I love this as a parent. Like I love watching my kids grow up. I I love watching, I mean, even the other day I had a situation happen in my home where it's like, I noticed that one of my kids, they came to me and they said, hey dad, what do you you think about this? And and what I noticed about their heart was that they wanted to hear the pleasure of their father and their choices. That's what they wanted. They wanted, they wanted, to, they wanted to show, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm submitted. I like it if you like it. I want it if you want it. And what was amazing about it is that in my heart, my heart no longer wanted to tell them what to do. It just wanted to sit back and enjoy what they would choose. That's part of the progression of the life of a disciple. We, we, we submit to him until he gives us that that situation back, but as it pertains to the church, as it pertains to the local church, he has a plan for you, and he wants to see, will you submit to where he tells you to go, or are you going to go where is the closest, or are you going to go to the place that doesn't make you uncomfortable because during ministry time, they actually make, they ask if you want to go around and lay hands on people. It's like, ah, I'm not really comfortable with that. Since when did the local church become about your comfort? It's not the goal. It's about your development. I've never really done anything like that before. What a better place to do it than a bunch of other people that are doing it too. They're just as uncomfortable as you are. One of the, I'm looking at one of the guys here. I, I, I'm not necessarily a hugger, but every time he walks into church, I don't get a choice. <laughs> we're, we're in this together. We're working through our stuff together. What better place to work through some of your insecurities than people who believe in you, who want the same things that you want. You, you'll hear us talk about it. Uh, Keith's talk, we're, we're fixing to be moving to home churches. One of our passions about home churches, because you can't really disciple a crowd. Jesus never discipled a crowd. Go back and read. It said he taught the crowds, but he discipled 12. Now, this is not really what I'm teaching on, but I'll just say this. You can come to the big gathering to get taught, but I'm going to ask that you would come to the small gatherings to get discipled. Come to a small place where someone actually knows. It's like where there's actually a little bit of accountability, and not accountability in a negative way, but like someday, someone that knows you so well that when you walk into the room, they're like, hey, hey, what? you don't look the same. What's going on? It's been a rough week. I, I, I can't do that for every. I don't know what some of your faces look like on a normal day. I'm just being honest. I don't know, it looks like a normal day, a sad day. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. But someone who's with you every single week knows your family, knows your kids, knows everything about you. Those are the kind of people that can, one, they start to know when you're not the same. They also know your weaknesses. Oh, no, someone's going to know my weaknesses. They're going to know your weaknesses, and they're going to know how to push you beyond the boundaries of your weaknesses and say, no, no, you're better than that. you got more than that in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And they're going to push, not just lead you to your destiny, push you to your destiny. Jesus did that. 
Do you think Jesus, with his disciples, do you think they would have gotten the boat if he said, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side, and you're going to go through a hurricane? <laughs> nah, I'm good. I, I, I like this side better anyway. No, what does, what does a father do sometimes? He sends a child into a place that the father knows that they can make it. The child may not. They don't know what they have, but a father does. A mentor does. A leader does. So you send them and you put, you don't just lead them, you push them sometimes into places that make them uncomfortable, but also make them better. He is the one who sets us, and only he can remove us from spiritual family. This is, this is a hard one to wrap your head around sometimes, but it's like, okay, if he's the one that gets to set, I don't get to unset. Well, we stop going there because, you know, I just, I don't, I just don't feel like I get fed there anymore, or, you know, we used to go... Please hear my heart. This is not about guilt, shame, or condemnation, but you just got to let me say a few things. Well, we used to go there, but then me and my wife went through a divorce, and I went, I, she got that church, and I went on to find another church. Well, I get that that could have been uncomfortable, but did the Lord tell you to change churches? Did the, or did maybe the Lord say, no, 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 you stay right there, and you two work it out, because the strife that's between you right now will kill you. Sometimes he puts us in awkward situations, in uncomfortable situations. Why? So that we work out the poison that's in there. Oh, I, I, I used to go there, but man, you will not believe how they treated me. Oh, so, so the Lord didn't want you to work on unforgiveness. The Lord didn't want to teach you to forgive. He, he, only, at a, only at a distance, you know. No, I, just be careful now. Again, when I say the Lord sets us into the church, one of the, reasons, one of the ways he does that is through Scripture. If you, if you haven't heard the message I taught several, um, I think a couple months ago now, called it the Pillars of Kingdom Decision Making, the Word, the Holy Spirit, spiritual family, prophecy, and wisdom. He, sometimes he uses the Word. You don't, I'm not telling you to subject yourself to a, um, a, a culture that doesn't believe the Bible. I'm not telling you to subject yourself to people who are abusive. Or, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, more times than not, we just leave when we shouldn't. Almost every single person in this room has been to more than one church in their lifetime. We're Americans, we're in the South, we've been to more than one church. What I'm enticing you to do is say, hey, from now on, I'm not going to make the decision on when and where I, go, or where I go to church and if I leave a church. Only the Lord can do that. Isn't this fun? I remember... Um, I, I, I was at a church one time where I, the, the pastor, I was a couple minutes late because I got caught in a, behind a car wreck and was trying to call people and say, hey, I'm going to be late to this. It was an important meeting. I'm going to be late. I'm caught behind a car wreck. But no one would answer the phone. Everybody I called couldn't get them to answer their phone. I got to the meeting. As soon as I opened the door, the pastor was there. He grabbed me, spun me around, and shoved me out the door. And as he was shoving me out the door, he said, nope, you can't be on time. You don't get to be a part of this meeting and shut the door behind me. Ooh, I was, ooh. I was so mad, so mad. Walked straight to my office, got some cardboard boxes, started packing up my office. He, it, it sucked the air out of that meeting very quickly when he did that. And so he wasn't far behind me. I'm in there packing up my office. And he walked in there and goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm packing up my office. He's like, why? I was like, because I ain't working here no more. He goes, get in my office. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> And we went in there and we hashed it out. And he said, I remember him saying, you don't think I have a right to ask you to be on time to a meeting? 
I said, no, sir, you do. What you don't have a right to do is put your hands on me. And what it made me do, addressing that situation, addressing that conflict, mind you, by a guy who made a mistake. He shouldn't have done that. We've all been around people who did things that they should not have done. But just because he did something he shouldn't have done didn't give me permission to say, you know what, to heck with you. No, it created an opportunity for me and him to talk about it. And I remember that day I learned I can disagree with you and honor you at the same time. As young people, we don't get that sometimes, we, especially with our parents. You know, when you're growing up, you're young, like, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't agree with them. I can't believe that. And then we get dishonorable towards them. It's like, wait a minute, you, you can disagree and stay in honor. And I remember having the stand environment with that same, uh, same situation or similar situation my wife had to go through. I remember she came home one to, me, to me one day and said, uh, you're not going to believe what the pastor said to me. He said that when I started singing, he physically saw the Holy Spirit stand up and walk out of the room. First of all, that's incredible vision. If you can see that, can we just acknowledge how significant that is? But can we also acknowledge how hurtful that can be? I'm not saying, again, you got to be careful here, and I know I'm treading on thin ice, but I'm, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is I am more submitted to what God says to me than how I feel about where I'm at. I'm so submitted to what God's saying to me, and I'm like, okay, Lord, this one hurts, but it could hurt for my good. It could be hurting for my benefit. It could be challenging something in me. And I can say in both of those scenarios, our willingness to stay where, stay where God set us propelled us. That same church ended up planting us and helping us start this church because we didn't quit when we disagreed or they made a mistake. Just here, just let me just get this right on out. We are going to screw up as leaders of the church. You know why? Because we're like you. We're like every other human on the planet. We are not gods. We are not semi-gods. We are living by faith just like you're living by faith. If this is your church, it's not because I'm perfect. It's because God said. If this is your church, it's not because the worship's so great, even though it is. It's because God said. Embrace that as a part of your life. I do what God says, not what I feel as it pertains to the local church. Last but not least, you will be tempted to neglect the meeting of the church. You will be tempted. It says that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. What was he saying? Some people are. Some people are neglecting. Some people have seen, experienced. We've all done it. How many of us in this room, in the room can we say, I have neglected something that I know is very important? We know we, we do it. So we just have to be aware of the fact that there will be temptations, there will be busyness, there will be kids' sports, there will be this, a job, there will be, there will be so many things that will want to tempt us to neglect the gathering together, even to the point where we start saying, well, is it, I mean, I, I do other things. I watch podcasts, I do this. That's one of the biggest disasters, of, in my opinion, about COVID. COVID, COVID forced the American church to find ways to survive. But just because we survived COVID doesn't mean that everything we did to survive is what we're supposed to do to thrive moving forward. We cannot neglect this. I don't care how many podcasts are out there. You cannot neglect this. You cannot neglect being in family. Why would the enemy want you to not be in spiritual family? Because spiritual fam being in spiritual family, being in a local church, it's transforming. When you're in, when you're in the local church, you're being transformed. 
My scripture says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Consistently coming to church and hearing what your pastors are saying or what your, uh, going to your home church and hear what your home church pastors are saying. Consistently, it's changing the way you think. It's transforming you into the likeness of Jesus. Of course, he doesn't want you to be transformed. The local church is encouraging. It's protecting. It's empowering. None of which the enemy wants in your life. Doesn't want you safe doesn't want you courageous, doesn't want you to discover what God's called you to do. So of course, he's going to use anything and everything to keep you out of it. And he's going to make it normal. He's going to try to make it normal. Well, most people don't come to church but once a month. And, and, and you'll start to try to settle to the lowest watermark of those around you. I'm just encouraging this morning. Let's, let's don't shoot for the low watermark. Let's don't shoot down here. The, the opposite the, that he says don't neglect in, uh, in the dictionary, the opposite of the word neglect is actually the word cherish. What if we said, let's not just neglect the church or let's not start to neglect the church, let's start to cherish the church. You know there are people, other people in foreign countries, other countries that would give anything to be able to drive to a meeting just like this, to get to be a part of something just like this. They would cherish this. Years ago, I showed a video. You've probably seen it. it was, it's been around for a while. And it was um, uh, some members of the underground church in another country, and they were opening a box of Bibles. And it was actually a women's group. And they opened up this cardboard box, and this box was full of Bibles. And they all grabbed the Bible and began to just cry uncontrollably just because they had their first Bible. And in reality, a lot of Americans don't even know where their Bibles are at. Again, this is not to condemn. This is not to bring guilt, shame, and condemnation. But this is to invite you into something better. That's what this is. It's an invitation into more. It's an invitation into spiritual family. It's an invitation into discipleship. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.